0: The Hill Country Patriot. He's a native Texan, president of the Fredericksburg Tea Party, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide,
1: advise,
0: and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is the Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. You know, we should have started with the high-speed intro this morning because we have so much to do today. I'm real excited. We're going to welcome uh, Lauren Spivak, the free market warrior, on uh, the program here in a few minutes. He's going to be calling in. We're really looking forward to that. Um, I could spend the entire show talking about John Cornyn, We're going to save that for the very end, for the fourth quarter. But you need to stay tuned because if you were watching the national news yesterday, everybody said that Mitch McConnell folded and gave in to the Democrats and paved the way for the Democrats to get in what they needed to get in. You need to read that. You need to dig further in that story because Mitch McConnell was absolutely not The first Republican senator to give in. All right, all it took was one. If one Republican senator gives in, then the whole, then the dominoes fall. Everybody told you yesterday it was Mitch McConnell. It is a matter of public record. John Cornyn, senator from the from the state of Texas, put all that into place. John Cornyn. Paved the way for the Democrats to get what they want in Washington D.C. John Cornyn, not the turtle, John Cornyn, Texas Senator. When we when I when I start railing on Texas Republicans, you remember that because our House. See, I knew I could talk a whole dadgum show about it. I'm going to keep going just for a minute. The Texas House and the Texas Republicans, the vast majority of them are cookie cutouts of John Cornyn. That's why we have all these failures in the Texas House is because Dade Phelan is John Cornyn Jr. These people who run the Texas House are John Cornyn Jr.'s. They are Washington, D.C. Republicans John Cornyn paved the way for the Democrats to have their way in Washington D.C. It wasn't Mitch McConnell. It wasn't one of those uh, flaky, uh, uh, you know, what's her name, the lady from, uh, yeah, yeah the, you know, you come up, you got the Murkowski's. The see, I don't even do this stuff. I don't do national stuff. But we've got all of these squishy. We're always naming uh, McCor- Ma- yeah, we're always naming the squishy Republicans who paved the way yesterday. Who was the first Republican to raise his hand and give in a hearty thumbs up? Yes, a hearty thumbs up. Maybe we can call him the uh, maybe he. What did they call uh, 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 McCain? He was the not the rebel. There was another word they had for him, a maverick.
1: He was a maverick
0: because he turned on the republicans. John Cornyn, John McCain Cornyn is the new maverick in our US Senate. He comes right here from Texas. You heard that right. If you think I'm making this up, if you're a republican out there and you're sick and tired of me slamming the republicans in Texas, please, please call me will and defend John Cornyn. Defend please. I dare you to defend this guy. All right. Let's get to the announcements. We're going to be real quick with those. Big, Very, very important, the next upcoming event, the Kerr County Patriots. You've been hearing the ad that we've been running for a few days now. The Kerr County Patriots on Monday at 6 o'clock are going to be welcoming Lieutenant Colonel Raul Reyes to the Dietert Center. The the Kerr County Patriots meet every two weeks, the second and fourth Mondays. They meet at Dietert Center at 6 o'clock, the second and fourth Mondays of every month. This coming Monday, they're going to be hosting Lieutenant Colonel Raul Reyes. Now I get to let the secret out of the bag. Lieutenant Colonel Raul Reyes declared last night in a meeting somewhere in Senate District 24 that he is running for Senator of Senate District 24. So, Kerr County Patriots on Monday, we're going to essentially have the first visit Of probably is, I don't know, he may make a couple of more visits before he gets to Kerr County, but he doesn't have a lot of time. So, uh, Senate District 24, the district you live in, Raul Reyes is going to be running for senator. And I'm telling you, I I, I can't give an endorsement or a recommendation or anything right now on that, but man, I am absolutely 100% impressed with Raul Reyes. Go find out what he's about Monday night because we—he would make an outstanding senator for Senate District 24. He would certainly be more impressive than John McCain Cornyn. All right, John the Maverick Cornyn. He would do a much better job as our Senate District here in Texas. Now that's your Texas senator, one of 31 that that uh, gets together in Austin. So here's your opportunity Monday night to go see raul reyes and um, see how that does, see what you think of the fella um tomorrow night also the lano tea party fundraiser um thursday the 14th next thursday the fredericksburg tea party welcomes uh, jonathan dunn he's also going to be on the uh, radio program uh with me next thursday going all the way out to sunday the 17th the border invasion awareness rally get that on your calendar the 17th Sunday the 17th that's gonna be right here just south of Kerrville at the uh, gravity check looking forward I have not been to that venue I've driven by it a bunch of times looking forward to going in and see it and then on further down the road Saturday the 23rd the walk for freedom where we're going to be mobilizing locals for the fight against human human trafficking I can't even say those words anymore. For the fight against slavery, for the fight against modern-day slavery that is taking place at this very moment in Texas is one of the leaders in the sex slave trade. You got that. So Saturday, 10-23, Walk for Freedom. We're going to have the gal who is uh, organizing this. We're going to have her on the radio before then, so you'll have a chance to... Uh, meet her and uh, hear her on the radio so let me give you a little bit of ben franklin before we take our break let's see um, let's see that one's uh not in english um here we go um oh you know this one just popped up but and it's not christmas um but i'm gonna go ahead and say it anyway how many observe christ's birthday how few his precepts oh it's easier to keep a holiday than a commandment. Folks, y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back with Lauren Spivak, the free market warrior. we are back thank you so much for staying tuned i'm already getting texts from folks that are so excited to hear that uh, raul reyes is going to be running for senate district 24 so yeah you heard it here first he announced last night and uh we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be talking more about that uh over the next few months so Right now, though, I have a friend of mine on the line from Massachusetts. Actually, I have several friends from Massachusetts. Y'all don't hold that against me. Uh, but Lauren Spivak is an outstanding man. We're, we're trying to figure out a way to get him down to Texas, but he's still stuck in the Northeast. I'm not sure, uh, what is it, Gorilla Glue? Lauren, what's keeping you in the Northeast?
1: Oh, I don't know. I, I asked my wife. I'm hardly ever there. Ah. I seem to be uh, moving all around the country. I'm in, I'm in Phoenix at the moment.
0: Yeah, I was looking at your calendar, and uh, you're going to be all you're all over the place, and uh, pretty impressive. You're going to making a swing through uh, Texas in uh, the very last week of October, I believe, and then going into the first week of November. Did I get did I get that right?
1: Yeah, that's about right. Uh, a chunk of November, I'm going to be in Texas.
0: You're everywhere from El Paso to Borger. Man, I'm telling you, I saw you're going to be speaking in Borger. I have a good friend that lives up in that area. I'm going to encourage him to come over and listen to you. But do you know how big Borger is? Have you ever been to Borger?
1: I have not.
0: All right. Well, you're going to find it a very fascinating small panhandle town. But I'm sure you'll enjoy it there. Listen, the free market warrior, Lauren's been around for a while. He um, back in two thousand and nine um, was uh, had a little uh, bookstore in a mall, and um, the government shut him down. the uh, The mall shut him down and said because he had these books he was selling that were not very. Um, I, I don't know what would you say. They, he, you talked about Obama a little bit, didn't you? I mean, you didn't. I mean, you didn't uh, threaten him or anything in your books, did you?
1: No, we, we we were it was the early days of Obama, and we were we were anti-Obama, right? And, and I think before that was cool. Uh, there right. came to be a point where there was a whole movement, but uh, I think I was something of a pioneer. Yeah, because uh, I I think I saw what was coming,
0: and you were pretty prophetic on that. Um, we'll talk about your books here in a little bit and your website. By the way, folks, FM, as in, you know, like radio, FM radio, or free market, however you want to think of it, fmwarrior.com. Y'all check that out while we're talking. The reason I invited uh, Lauren to come on uh, the program was because a couple of weeks ago we heard uh, 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 Pisaki, um and I, I, I refused to silence the P. You know, we've had this... This war against P has been going on for long enough. I refuse to silence the P. Her name is uh, it, yeah, yep. So there we go. Uh, Jen Psaki said a couple of things. She said that um, that this three and a half trillion dollars wasn't going to cost anything, and uh, that was I found that very fascinating. And then since then, the term uh, uh, inflation, hyperinflation, transitory inflation has started uh, perking up all over the country and uh, Lauren Spivak has a way of describing what is going on with this um, with this inflation and hyperinflation and Lauren, my name is Matt and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> How does that tie that in with uh, your analogy please go from there the floor is yours, sir.
1: Oh uh, well, I, I what I was just saying was that uh, what alcoholism or any other addiction you could be a you could be a crack addict or a compulsive gambler for that matter, but uh, hyperinflation, which is what we're we're heading toward, is uh, is a disease of uh, of uh, governments just like alcoholism is for individuals because it's not just like a thing that happens; it's a whole syndrome. And you know you're a compulsive gambler when you go to the casino and you lose all your money. And what your mind tells you is that the solution to that problem, the problem is I went to the casino, and I lost all my money, that the solution is to go back again tomorrow and try to win it back. Right. Oh, yeah. And it. it, it, it and if that's how your your mind thinks, you're you're a compulsive gambler. And if you're you know same thing if you're an alcoholic, you know your solutions, your problems, your problems are probably caused by the fact that you drink too much. Your solutions you find at the bar. And we're becoming a uh, a country where our solutions are at the printing press. In fact, even since I wrote the piece, that you're very good. Uh, this new idea just popped in. They want to make a trillion-dollar coin. (laughs) You've heard this before.
0: I did. I heard this yesterday.
1: Which which is the same thing. It's like you're talking to an alcoholic, and he's like, well, well, my solution is I need to get an even bigger bottle of booze. Right. (laughs) The problem is my booze keeps running out, so I need to get a bigger bottle. So what I said was that uh, they they, they said they were going to make one trillion-dollar coin, and that's going to mean they don't have to raise the debt limit because they, instead of borrowing it, they're going to just print, they're going to just mint this one trillion dollar coin. And the first thing is whenever they tell you that they're going to do it once, that's the, that's the biggest lie ever. Okay. You, you, you think, you think, uh, uh has told the biggest lies ever. Uh, the biggest lie in history with fiat currency is we're going to do this once and we're not going to go back. Right. Okay, we just need one more drink. What's one more drink, and then we'll be all set. So what I said was that we will live to see the day that trillion dollar coins are what you put into the soda machine to get your Pepsi.
0: You know this. Uh, this is uh, one of the another thing that, uh, and you did not put this in your analogy, but truly as a recovering alcoholic, I will tell you that there's a saying we have, um, uh, one is too many and a thousand is not enough. And that is, this is the same thing. So the idea, and I heard uh, someone talk about this coin yesterday, and they said, you know, it's kind of like what you could do, if you were doing this in your own home, what you would do would you would write a really big check, right, Um, just a, a huge check, and you would deposit it into your account. And then you would start writing checks on that money in the account and then you would deposit another big fact check in your account to cover the checks that you've sent out but there's that people go to prison for that don't they what what, what do they call that they, back in the day when you could uh, had that three-day uh, delay on checks what what did we call that
1: Oh uh, kiting
0: a check kiting or floating remember I think that was the term floating you would try it's to floating, uh-huh. you would float try to float money between two or three bank accounts. Um, there's some other things you. Um, th- this is very important. So it's not just printing more and more money. There is a second part to this. Um, talk to us about when we start reducing the amount of goods that are being produced. What does this do in combination? With the printing of more or or uh, yeah, the printing of more money.
1: Uh, well, you've got you know, whenever you've got it, you've got a, a value for anything, whether it's a value for money or a value for goods. You know, it's supply and demand, right? Right. So the the two factors that relate to what money is worth is one is how much money you've got, and the other is how much stuff you have to buy with the money. And there's a kind of a balance there, theoretically if the money supply were to increase at roughly the same rate that the amount of stuff available to buy with the money, theoretically, that that would keep prices roughly even. But if you make more money than there is stuff, you get inflation. But what really seems historically, and in my article I was talking about uh, Germany and the Weimar Republic, and this is what led, you know, the Nazis to power was the economic catastrophe, which was Germany in the 20s, um, was that um, uh, if you if you attack, if you burn the candle at both ends, you make way more money and cut off the supply of goods, and, and then it, you just the whole thing just catches on fire. And you know, most of us have heard stories about people taking wheelbarrows full of money, you know, to go shopping, and 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 uh, and you know, workers would get paid on Friday, and the minute they got their money, would just run as fast as they could to get to the store and buy whatever the store had, mm-hmm. because it didn't matter what they had, because your money was going to be worthless by Monday morning. You wait for the weekend; your money will be worth nothing. So you just get rid of that money, and it doesn't matter that whatever they whatever they got that's in the good is better than keeping the money. So that's the kind of craziness you get with hyperinflation. And what happened in Germany was that the French occupied the Ruhr in I think in twenty two twenty three, which was the German industrial area, and basically shut down their industry, Uh, so they couldn't produce anything, and they were printing money like crazy. So in our case, we seem to have fascinatingly done this to ourselves. I, I, you know, I think this, this stuff I see happening every day that future historians will marvel over, including that we shut down our own economy. Right. We said, first of all, we're going to print. Do you know we spent more money in one year on, on, on this COVID nonsense on paying people to stay home. Okay, that we spent in three and a half years on all of World War Two. Wow! Up, up until a year ago, the most expensive thing the United States government ever did was fight World War Two on two fronts for three and a half years. And in and this is inflation-adjusted dollars. So this is not a for inflation. It's equal dollars on both sides adjusted for inflation. We spent about three point seven trillion dollars beating the Germans and the Japanese uh, in World War Two. And we spent more than that, I think it was about $4.1 trillion in one year, just paying people to stay home and do nothing. So they weren't producing anything, and we're still living with the reverberations of that. I, I go to the supermarket. I, I have, I've never seen so many empty shelves mm-hmm. in the United States in my life. So we're producing nothing. We're printing money like crazy. I mean, there's another phenomenon here, which is that when the Republicans win an, win an election, and oh, I've seen this over and over again. They, they like have the majority in Congress. The Republicans are like, okay, we got to do absolutely nothing, because anything we do might offend somebody, and then we could lose our majority in two years. So we just got to sit here and do absolutely nothing and hope no one notices us, so that we won't get thrown out in two years. When the Democrats win an election, they say, well, we're sure, for sure, we're going to get thrown out in two years. Right. So we better spend all the money we can. We need to do radical, radical stuff right now fast before we lose the next election. It's a very interesting contrasting attitude. Listen. But If you look at the first year of the Obama administration in mm-hmm. 2009, well, what was he doing in 2009? He was trying to spend more money never been spent before and create more radical interference in the economy than ever happened before so if you go before that go back to the first year of Clinton what was that 2000 I'm sorry 93 I think right the first year Clinton was in what did he spend the first year doing trying to spend more money than ever been spent before and, and and coming up with what at the time were really radical ideas so this is just a, this is like a pattern. And uh, and, uh, you know, and in this case, they're doing it with the thinnest majority as possible. And the question is whether we can stop them. And I don't know.
0: Yeah, this is scary. Listen, we need to take a short break, but I want to pose a question uh, before we take off. I have an uncle that um, spent his entire life in uh, Brazil, in Sao Paulo. And uh, he is now, he's living in Abilene right now, I believe he is probably in his late 80s. And so that gives you an idea that uh, he, the years he was in Brazil. And he tells a story of uh, when Brazil was having a hyperinflation, or I'm not sure what the proper term is, but they were literally taking the bills that existed, for example, a 10-whatever bill, and then just rubber stamping three zeros onto the bill, they couldn't even print it fast enough, and they just put rubber stamps on it. Then and then we hear the uh, Zimbabwe story, the the billion, the million dollar bill that uh, comes from Zimbabwe. I'm I'm still looking for one of those. I want one of those massive Zimbabwe bills just for my collection. And uh, we talked. You've just been talking about Weimar Germany. So my question is. Lauren, this is the United States, for crying out loud. These kinds of things can't happen in the United States. We're the world's greatest power, and nothing like this could possibly happen to us. Would you address that when we get back, Mr. Spivak?
1: Sure, I'll try
0: to. You'll try to. All right, folks, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Y'all go to WM. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, FM. FM, as in free market, fmwarrior.com. Check it out while we're on the break, and we'll be right back with Mr. Lawrence Spivak. We are back thank you so much for staying tuned i have on the line with me mr lauren Spivak, the free market warrior check out his website fmwarrior.com and he's going to be all he's got a calendar there so if you're anywhere near he uh in where he's going to be in texas in uh, november man make a plan to go out and see him or tell your friends about him if you know anybody that lives in his area so the question i left you with was come on lauren this is the united states we're not zimbabwe nothing like that could possibly ever happen in the united states
1: well uh, a couple hundred years ago there was a country in central europe uh and it was called the holy roman empire and somebody pointed out that it was neither holy nor roman nor an empire <laughs> and because a country is named the United States does not mean that it necessarily has the same attributes that we associate with the United States. What, what made us what we, what we were, what we want to be, is a bunch of characteristics that our country used to have. We, we were pious, we were hardworking, we were fiscally conservative, and we pretty much frittered all of this stuff away. We now have uh an enormous uh governmental bureaucracy that is increasingly contemptuous of uh, of elected officials. Uh Tucker Carlson was talking about this just the other night, that uh that the bureaucracy just runs the government and, and you know doesn't really care who wins the elections. Uh, and uh, we have an ever-growing percentage of Americans who were essentially on the government dole one way or another, the percentage of men, this is a fascinating statistic, but the percentage of men between 25 and 55, which traditionally, if anybody in a country works, that's who's working. If you're male between 25 and 55, and that, that's in every society in history, that's who does the work. The percentage of men in that age range who actually do work, has been going down since the early 70s. Uh, I, 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 I forgot the exact percentage, but down to like, you know, 75, 80%, which is really very low for men in that category. And, you know, we, you know, all of the things that made us what we were have been disappearing. Mm. uh we you know culture you know culturally uh we don't really agree on anything any- anymore. if you look at the America I was talking about you know World War two before, if you look at the America that you know buckled down and went off to world War two and uh and fought and won and then came home and you know led to the biggest economic boom in history it's very hard to see that America today anywhere. Mm absolutely but, 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 but it's true I, I can't imagine us fighting a big war like that today there's just not enough unity you know uh you've got two halves of the country that aren't even speaking to each other
0: right All right. so let me um you, this article you sent me um you have posted it on facebook and i appreciate you sending it to me because i i've been kicked off of facebook like permanently Um, Because actually because we were uh, teaching a little bit of history to our city council and we were using uh, Weimar Germany as an example in the rise of the Nazis and our local uh, our local elected officials didn't like us using that term and so they got us all banned. Um, So where can folks find you on Facebook because this article you wrote is absolutely great. Who do they look for on Facebook?
1: Well it's it's just my name, Lauren Spivak, L O R E N S P I V A Z K. I have I have two uh, pages which pretty much have the same stuff, one on one a personal one under my name, and I have one that's free market warrior, Lauren Spivak. But they're but they're pretty much the same. All right. Folks. And uh, yeah, I mean the, the, the end of free speech is a yet another example of uh, how our country is an entirely different place that would be unrecognizable to earlier generations.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. In the middle of this article, you go to the point where you start describing the inflation as uh, as a vicious cycle. So would you tell us, kind of give us an idea of how that cycle works, what is the cycle, and then follow that up with, um, we have to break it. I mean, we know that. The cycle has to be broke it, broken Broken where do you break the cycle how do you break it and and what are the ramifications will breaking that this cycle be a a miserable time for us will it be something we don't notice will what what tell us about the cycle and how to break it please sir
1: well the, the cycle is that and, and it's funny uh, biden was saying just the other day that if you get in the way of his latest three and a half trillion, and you understand they, they, they this is an addition to the one trillion they want to spend on infrastructure, it's in addition to the what was it, two trillion that he spent back when he a couple months ago on more on more wasting money on on COVID stuff. I mean, this is just on top of on top of on top of. And if you don't go along with this, you're getting in the way of American progress. You're, you know, you know, America you know can't grow without it. So the addict comes to think that he can't, you know, he can't do anything unless he has an ever-increasing supply of whatever he's addicted to. You know, that's the secret to my creativity, my energy. And, and so uh, as you print more and more money to do all of this crazy stuff that the government wants to do, prices start going up. It's already happening. Gas is up. Food is up. everything's up. And as these things get more expensive, there's going to be more and more pain in the populace, people who can't buy their groceries are not going to be happy because the groceries are so expensive. What's the government going to do? And everybody knows what the government's going to do. The government's going to say, well, we need to give you more food stamps, more, more unemployment insurance, more free money, and that extra money will fix your problems so you won't be mad at us anymore. Well, where's the government going to get the extra money? And they're, they're going to get it the same place they, they, they solve all the problems. They're going to go to the printers and print more money, which is going to lead to more inflation which is going to lead to more upset people and, and, and the need to produce more to print more money to make them happy and, and, and we're going to we're going to start increasing and is all totally predictable because it's happened in every other country that's gone through this we're going to start raising your food stamp allotment you know once every month and then every week and then every day uh, the, the way you stop it, and, and by the way, historically, you don't, you don't stop until you hit rock bottom. I mean, things have got to get really bad before this stops. Okay, this is not going to be a soft landing. And the way you stop it is through a tremendous amount of pain. Because with prices going through the roof, it's going to go faster and faster as the inflation gets more intense, the government's going to have to pull in all this money and say, no more increases for you. You don't get it anymore. The prices are going to go up, and you're just going to have to deal with it. And can you imagine a politician today saying that? Yeah, no, they, they, I can't. They'd wet, they'd wet their pants for, uh, before they could say that. And, and but that's what's got to happen. You got to you got to suck this all in, and it's going to be incredible economic pain. What what for, yeah. for, for everybody?
0: I mean, I, I know you obviously uh, you're 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 not a you're not a prophet. You don't have the ability to foretell the future. You don't have the you don't have a crystal ball. None of us can look into the future. But is this something that's going to look like the grapes of wrath? Is it uh, is it something that's going to look like the thirties? Are are what? Where does this lead? And man, I hate to be a doomsayer on Friday, but this does lead to essentially a doomsday, doesn't it, Lauren? It, it
1: it does, and, and I and I I'm. You don't have to be a prophet because this has happened so many times in the past, and it always plays out the same way. It's like you know, if yeah, you go back to my analogy, if somebody's an alcoholic, you know, I can predict where this is going right. because it's happened before. It's not like you know, never this is unique. I mean, every everybody says, oh, it can't happen here. We're unique, but you know, the basic laws of the universe are going to apply. And and what I've seen is that it almost always ends in violence. It starts off as an economic thing and it goes to violence. So, for example, in Germany, the huge economic pain—and you cannot overstate the economic pain the Germans were going through in the '20s—led to the rise of the Nazis, which led to World War II. If there were, if if the economic disaster hadn't happened, the Nazis would not have happened. They, that's completely what they existed off of, and, and it led to the greatest, most destructive war in history. Um, when, you know, this, when, when the Roman Empire fell apart, which, and they had their own inflation, they, they, were, they were printing money that used to be made of gold and silver, and they started diluting it with less and less gold and silver and more and more base metals in their currency. So it's basically the same thing. It's just kind of a 2,000-year-old version of inflation. And uh, it ended with their being sacked by the barbarians, which is a fate which we seem to be going to right now. That we're you know, we can't like defend our own borders anymore, so yeah, everyone just pours in, uh, and, and and you know that's a possibility. Civil war is another possibility. But when you have a complete economic collapse, and I'm projecting that the syndrome of inflation will not allow us to get off of this. Bad train that we're on until we get to there um, leads to some kind of uh, violence, whether it's external invasion or we become, you know, a, a a a country that invades our neighbors, like happened in Nazi Germany, or an internal civil war. That seems to be where all of this goes uh, in a violent, in one of those violent directions.
0: Wow. Man, you you're just uh, you're just making everybody's weekend. Everybody's going to come out of here today, just so happy and excited to go about their life. All right, before you leave us, give some advice, knowing knowing or, or fairly certain that this uh, this cycle is going to have an ugly ending. What can my listeners do right now um, that could maybe soften for them individually? soften this landing is there anything that an individual or a family can do to perhaps soften this landing that we see coming
1: yeah i i there is i have to say that you could it's very hard to predict exactly how these things play out right because there's so many you know Inflation theoretically will raise the per- the stock market, right? Because the stock market is denominated in dollars, right. and stocks ought to, ought to become more valuable in dollars if the dollars get less valuable. However, inflation also hurts companies, so companies may be driven to bankruptcy because of the inflation. So it it it, it it's complicated. But the biggest thing I would say is not to be too invested in dollars you don't want whether it's actual cash money in your mattress or whether it's bank accounts that are denominated in dollars the dollar is almost certainly going to be taking a hit in the coming years you don't want to have all your wealth in the form of dollars you want to diversify it fairly significantly into things that are likely to maintain their value with inflation and that's I mean the obvious you talk about gold and silver i mean you you could say the same thing about real estate um, you know, it's okay to have some cash, but you don't want to, You know, you don't want to have ninety five percent of your wealth in a bank account that's just cash, because if cash dies and, and loses its value, oh, and then Bitcoin is another one that a lot, a lot of people are invested in. Uh, if you have everything in cash, you're going to be in a lot of trouble if if cash starts to radically lose its value.
0: Okay. Wow lauren um folks uh i could we could stay on the air and talk about this for another couple of hours but unfortunately we're out of time mr Spivak, um go check out his website look him up on facebook he's going to be in texas in november um if you are anywhere near any of these locations um try to do your best to get over and uh meet mr Spivak and uh Pick up one of his books. He's got some awesome books, and uh, I think I have. Uh, I think I have every one of your books, Lauren. I appreciate that. And um, so, folks, y'all go catch him. Um, give us some. Uh, give us. Uh, give us the. Uh, you're out here. Give us the 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 two minute uh, g- wrap. This up, please, sir. Okay.
1: Oh, well, let's see. <laughs> I've, I've I've talked about war and economic devastation. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not sure what's left. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll 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 try I'll try to throw in something positive. Okay. You know the 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 sun is going to continue to rise in the morning. You know life goes on. There will be a point where somebody will, uh, hopefully, more than one somebody will try to recapture the values that made America what it is, because America absolutely has been a truly special place. But it's because there was a set of values which are encapsulated in the Constitution. A lot of them are, are Judeo-Christian biblical values. The Protestant work ethic, uh, is a real thing. Uh, I had a guy who was Catholic get really mad at me for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you don't have to be Protestant to have the <laughs> Protestant work ethic. That's right. In fact, if you look at it, if you look at America today, you see more Protestant work ethic among Asian immigrants.
0: Ah. The
1: Asians are the most Protestant work ethic people in America today. I think. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, but it's a real thing. The idea that, you, that what you want, you have to earn, and if you haven't earned it, you're not entitled to it. Uh, you know, these are real values that work every time they're tried. And, you know, whatever happens in, you know in the United States to the United States, uh, that, that truth is still going to be there. And, uh, you know, someday, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll be back there again, or maybe, I don't know if it's in our lifetimes, but <laughs> that, that type of system, by its very nature, works better than all of these other, you know, you know, communist, democratic socialism, and all of this nonsense, uh, will fail because it can't work, and the humble values that led to America will, will continue to work wherever
0: they're tried wow lauren thank you so much for that we appreciate you thank you for taking the time and uh, enjoy your uh, time in arizona and uh, please be safe in your travels and uh, we look forward to seeing you in texas thanks again for taking the time today oh my pleasure all right there you go folks we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back and talk about uh, praying for our leaders Who are our leaders, and uh, should we be praying for them? Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. we are back thank you so much for staying tuned by the way you know you can find these broadcasts up on spotify google podcasts apple podcasts radio public breaker pocket casts anchor and most important of all hillcountrypatriot.com hillcountrypatriot.com check it out there you can live stream there from anywhere in the world well maybe except for uh Myanmar and uh, north korea and parts of red China. All right. The the rest of the world. So if you go on vacation to the Bahamas, folks, you can tune us in every morning. And Bob says, please take him if you go on vacation to the Bahamas. We can make all those arrangements. Send me an email at matt at ranchradiogroup.com. Matt at ranchradiogroup.com. All right. This is uh, something, uh, you know, we've been talking the last couple of weeks. I mentioned that there is a movement across the uh, country. Um, to uh, set your alarm clock for 8 o'clock every night. Um, when I looked up on this uh, uh, a week ago or so to see where, where the root of this idea came from, uh, they were saying 8 o'clock Eastern time and uh, that we should all be praying at the same moment. So East eight, seven, six, five across the country. And, uh, of course, I didn't understand that part, so I just said 8 o'clock. I don't think it would hurt at all. If at eight o'clock at every time zone, so God would be hearing from us, um, you know, every hour on the hour, set your alarm for eight o'clock and pray for the country. And you're joining millions of people, millions of Christians across the country who are doing this. Um, in, uh, at Bridge Church every week, we pray for our country. And then you hear the term leaders, pray for our leaders. Uh, this is from Michael Quinn Sullivan. Are we praying for the wrong people? In a word, yes. We hear this segment of prayer all the time. Someone will have uh, asked us to bow our heads and join them in praying and at some point, particularly at church or a political gather gathering will come the inevitable and we pray for our leaders, followed by a litany of names uh, or public offices. The particularly pious hoping to evoke a sense of biblical weight will prayerfully refer to the president, governor, or mayor as our rulers. It reminds me of just how ignorant we have become in our republic, just how far we devolved in our understanding of how government is supposed to work. We don't elect rulers and leaders, we elect servants. So let me say it again, every time you hear someone pray, say every time you hear someone pray for our nation's rulers and leaders have the wisdom in addressing the issues of the day, they are praying ultimately for the wrong people if the focus is on the politicians. We should pray not as submissive serf under the heavy thumb of a feudal lord, but as kings earnestly seeking divine guidance for ourselves and our fellow regents. Now don't get me wrong, we absolutely must pray for the public servants holding these specific positions just like an employer should pray for her employees or a commander pray for the soldiers under his command all too often though the real leaders in our system of government the ones for whom those title holders work and take orders never seem to be the object of corporate prayer the citizenry has become an afterthought if ever thought of at all even by the citizens yet an ancient kingdoms fortune shifted with the attitude of the king, and Rome became a Christian empire because of Emperor Constantine's edict. But in our republic, the citizen is the ruler. Even absentee citizens, those who don't participate, are still ruling. They're just ruling badly. All of this is by design. Our founding fathers rejected queen kings and bequeathed us a constitutional republic where the direction is driven by the citizens. It's very easy in a fallen world to wish for a strong leader, a single person on whom we can thrust blame and outsource responsibility. The people of Israel certainly did so when they demanded a king and rejected the system of self-governance under God. Just as the ancient Israelites suffered for abandoning the political designs given to them by God, our abdication of governing obligations undergirds many of our political problems praying for the republic's politicians and not the citizens is like asking a physician to alleviate the symptoms without addressing the disease if we want righteous men and women to hold public office we must start by praying for our neighbors and countrymen to be consumed by desire for righteousness when electing the public servants yes We should pray for our public servants, for the men and women holding public office, but we should pray harder for our fellow citizens. If we are praying for the hearts of our nation's leaders to be inclined to God, we must be praying more often and much more explicitly for the hearts and attitudes of our fellow citizens. There you go. I love Michael Quinn Sullivan's uh, Friday Amuses his uh, Friday Writings. And uh, you can get those by subscribing to uh, his uh, newsletter at the Texas Scorecard. Um, Folks, um, pray for the uh, tourists this weekend. And for crying out loud, be nice to the tourists. Um, Are we going to be in here, Bob, on Monday? Yeah, we'll be here Monday so everybody else gets a three-day weekend. But not Bob, not me. We'll be here Monday morning. Pray for the travelers this weekend. Stay tuned for Lorraine.